It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. Today, my CEO guest is Paul Macaluso. Paul's a 25-year restaurant industry veteran currently serving as the president and CEO of Crystal, one of the largest and oldest burger chains in the Southeast. Paul's background includes experience in operations, franchising, marketing, and brand strategy with some of the most prominent brands in the food service industry, including Taco Bell, Burger King, Sonic Drive-In, and Moe's Southwest Grill. Before joining Crystal in April of 2018, Paul was president of McAllister Southwest Deli. He holds a B.S. in communications and an M.B.A. from Florida State University. Paul Macaluso, welcome into the corner office. Thank you, Brand. It's my privilege to be here. I appreciate it. (laughs) It's great to have you today. And, uh, you know, I I think you're down uh, Southwest way. I'm trying to remember exactly part of the country you're in. Southeast. We're in Atlanta. Atlanta. How's how's the weather in Atlanta? It is a beautiful day today. (laughs) Spring has sprung, I think. I was down there actually a couple of weeks ago. We had a a conference of one of my uh, peer advisory groups. And what a wonderful town that is. Well, we want to start a little bit about your background. Um, I don't think you grew up in Atlanta. So let's start maybe, you know, Tell us a little bit about your early years, you know, where you grew up and, you know, what was your early family life like? Great. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I grew up in the Southeast, but not Atlanta. Okay. I, I uh, was born in New Jersey, actually, but I moved to Florida when I was less, <sighs> less than two. So right, I, right. I consider Florida a uh, home, oh. uh, Orlando, uh, predominantly awesome. uh, moved around the state quite a bit. Yeah. My father was a uh, general manager of Albertson's grocery oh, okay. stores. Right, sure. In my early sure. years. Yeah. And so he was promoted and we moved from city to city, but uh, pretty much from middle school through high school was back in Orlando. Um, and my, a lot of my family still lives in Orlando today. Mama stay at home or did she have a career as well? No, uh, uh, grew up with my stepmom and my okay. dad and yeah. uh, and both of them worked. So yeah. it was uh, kind of middle-class family. A lot right. of, uh, you know, we if we were lucky, we got to take one vacation a year, but <laughs> we uh, we had a great family life. I have an older brother and a stepsister. Awesome. And uh, so I had a great uh, family life there and uh, a lot of great memories from my childhood. Great. What were some of the inspiring things that that uh, stepmom and mom uh, and dad provided for you? I, I'm a stepfather uh, as well, and uh-huh. I, I prefer to be called father. But yeah, of course, line, <laughs> you know, I'm sure you probably grew up with that as well. But yep. you know, tell me a little bit about some of the things that you remember as a kid that mom yeah, and dad told you. I'll tell you. Um, I just had a tremendous uh, influence from my father. It really was a role model that 
it still affects me today. He passed away a few years ago, oh, but sorry to hear that. yeah, he, he was a tremendous person. He had a tremendous work ethic. He, um, you know, he, he, uh, had my brother and I, uh, as a single dad from the time I was oh, wow. two, yeah. um, got married to my stepmom when I was around nine. So, um, you know, raised us by himself, which was pretty unusual yeah. for, you know, back in the seventies, sure, uh, late, sure. late 60s, 70s. Right. Um, and worked full time as well. Worked full time. Right. I had yeah. support from his parents. So my grandparents, nice. and, uh, it was, uh, I really learned a lot from him. He's just a hardworking guy, uh, never graduated high school. Um, wow. he went, uh, into the army and got his GED and then just, you know, made a nice career for himself afterwards through just through a lot of hard work. Um, but he had the ability, you know, both with my brother and I to really instill in us a desire to, you know, achieve and do great in school. Um, and I always, you know, wanted to make him proud. That was kind of what drove me all the way through, um, even through college, you know, and into my career, um, for sure. So it was, it was a great example. I remember going to work with him early mornings back when I was in, Middle school, um, he changed careers and and, and was an entrepreneur. Um, he uh, bought a, bought a uh, a route with Tasty Cakes, so he would deliver Tasty Cakes to grocery stores, and he was a franchisee of that of that system. And um, so I got a chance to work with him in summers, nice. <laughs> which was which involved getting up at like three in the morning, unloading trucks, wow. uh, going to grocery stores, delivering product, and 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 so I got a real sense of uh, what it was like to get up early and work every day, and. Um, and it made me want to make sure I got my you know high school degree and college degree. Right, <laughs> it, was, uh, right. it was enough enough of a enough of a learning that um, you know that I wanted to pursue that. So you know, just had a really a big influence on my life. And a lot and he of was ways. a career guy with Albertson. Sounds like he was with him. Yeah, he 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 did. And then he yeah. like I said, he became that franchisee of uh, Tasty Cakes. He worked. Uh, right. Then he ended his career with a company called Griffin Industries, which okay. is also in the restaurant industry. In there, yeah. and they had he had a great uh, last uh, fifteen years of his career there, and uh, just a great company. So um, uh, he he did very well for himself for someone who kind of muscles his way through it. So it sounds like you were exposed to food and food service and food prep pretty early on. Yes, absolutely. And, and, fra- and franchising too, <laughs> and franchising, which, was, which, is, right? which is a big part of my career today. Awesome. So, <clears throat> awesome. What about some other uh, early influencers or early inspirations? You know, were there any coaches or teachers that you remember from, again, the grade school days? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, lots of great, you know, teachers uh, are always, you know, such a great inspiration for so mm-hmm. many people. Um, I had certainly had my share through middle school and high school. Um, my br- older brother was a great inspiration to me as well. Right. I'll be honest right. with you. He's just two years older than me, but, um, you know, just, uh, very successful in his career. He's in the, in the, uh, creative side of things. So okay. he's a creative director for an agency today. And, um, you know, he was again, super hardworking, um, he he uh, really drove me as well. You know, helped me a lot along the way, and 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 I wanted to you know kind of follow in his footsteps and, and be as successful like him. So any specific lessons from from your big bro, and you know things that you kind of go back. Gosh, I remember when he told me this. Yeah, you know. Uh, so growing up, uh, he was way more extroverted than than I okay. was. I was very introverted through high school and college, you know, through middle school and high school. And so, you know, he would always encourage me to, you know, just really put myself out there mm. and, you know, um, and to, you know, try to have fun. I was very much driven to do great in school and I actually had a part-time job. So I was very focused on just, um, you know, 
getting things done and 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 he would always encourage me to just enjoy you know enjoy the experience you know enjoy right. high school enjoy college make some time to have fun make some time to uh you know uh spend time with friends and en yeah. enjoy the college experience was was one of the things that i really appreciated him uh, i went and visit him while he was in college when nice. i was still in high school and i was like okay this this looks like it's actually gonna be fun to do right. rather right. than just like something i gotta do you know i've got to go to college i've got to sure. get a degree it, it really it really helped me to appreciate um that uh, there was a balance there that, that I that needed to have. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to grow up in the shadow of a successful older sibling. Did absolutely. Some of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, um, he was very successful and still is. And so, um, in fact, I had a chance to speak at, at a uh, reception for him. He won an a, uh, award, um, the Natty Award, which oh, is for advertising. Yeah. Oh, award. yeah, sure. <laughs> and I got a chance. Yeah. He's, he asked me to speak, uh, one of the of, uh, three people to speak on his behalf nice. a couple years ago. Nice. And so I had a chance, and that was really the theme of my of my <laughs> speech was- Really, yeah. You know, how difficult it was because sure. he's so, he's just in, he's been so talented and, and such, such a, a great um, student of things, a great person, a great father. Um, and so, uh, but that it actually, you know, helps me uh, in my, as I look back and reflect on my career, it helped me to achieve and to, and, and to really have uh, more drive. So it was, it was a great situation. Um, not always fun, <laughs> especially early on. <laughs> Doesn't sound like he had the rivalry though. You yeah, no, because he, he yeah. didn't. He didn't do that to me. Yeah. It was more yeah. self-inflicted, you know, for right. me, like wanting to wanting <laughs> to wanting to right. be motivated. And <laughs> and so, yeah, it's is a great motivator and a, and, a, and a great support system. Awesome. Were you a good student in school, Paul? You know, uh, starting in middle school, I was. I think yeah. early in my elementary years, were not was not such a great student. I think uh, again, um, as I mentioned. My father uh, married my stepmom uh, right. around that time. And after that time, I had a lot more stability and a lot more uh, support uh, yeah. from that yeah. kind of maternal side. And um, nice. and that really helped me with my studies. So yeah, yeah, through middle school and high school was very focused on good grades and very focused on, you know, academics and, um, and uh, you know, that, that uh, was something I took a lot of pride in. And you mentioned a stepsister. So I'm assuming mm -hmm. your, your stepmother brought that to the marriage. That's right. Yeah. 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 Stepsister, yeah. she's also two years older than me. So I was oh, the youngest. Gosh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and she's been, she's, she's great. Still have a great relationship with her. Nice. She's still in central Florida. And um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I got a lot of people looking out for me with my older brother, older sisters, That's you know, important. all the way. Yeah. What about outside of class? What other other kinds of interests? Sports, drama, you know, uh, theater. Any other things that you got involved with? Music? You know, I really, I wish I had, had did things a little differently with regard to this. Honestly, I just, I really wanted to start making a living and earning money. So sure. I started working right away. In fact, yeah, right. My first job, um, I got fired from because I, I lied on my application. I was, I said I was 15 when I was actually only 14. Oh my God. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I could start working. It's the summer, you know, I, I have a, a September. 15 was the minimum age. 15 right? was the minimum yeah, and yeah, I have yeah, a September yeah. birthday. So I wanted to work over the summer, but right, I, so right. I uh, went to work for Little Caesars. I was there for about three or four weeks and they finally said, look, you got to bring your, you know, driver's license in. Oh, <laughs> like, I don't have Yeah, so, um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I, so I just, I really was, uh, uh, wanted to make money. I wanted to, you know, uh, just kind of start, you know, earning. And uh, and between being really focused time. on school yeah. and then working after school, um, that's really where I put my time. And and I reflect back on that and think, you know, again, uh, uh, as I now have kids that are getting to that age where they're going to start, you know, being able to work. Right. Um, I certainly appreciate the skills I learned by working, but I think there's a balance, you know, that I will definitely uh, strive to seek with them where they, they should enjoy more of their high school 
time and and uh, and pursue their passions of sports and, well, and, have and the music. Ability to do it, I'm yeah, sure there was yeah. a lot of motivation for you to get out yeah. there and have some extra pocket change. A little, yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was a different any, time. Any entrepreneurial things? You know, younger paper routes, uh, selling Christmas cards. Yeah. So you know, the typical lawn care uh, right, was right. a big thing. So I did uh, <laughs> Florida, up in Florida. Important. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, for nobody wants to. <laughs> yeah. So I did a lot of uh, yard work around the neighborhood for cash early on and really cool uh, thing that uh, I reflected back on as I was preparing for this is uh, when my dad was uh, on his tasty cake route, as I mentioned, he would drive through kind of central Florida through the route and he would go through Ocala. Ocala, Florida has a lot of uh, watermelons during watermelon season and they're like beautiful, huge and they're, you know, they're just farmers selling them. So he would buy 20 or 30 watermelons for 50 cents each, bring them back. And my brother and I would sell them in front of our yard nice, for like nice. two bucks. The watermelon uh, stand. It was just a watermelon stand. It. Yeah, it was I great. It. And, you um, sell it by the slice or the, no, the whole just the whole, yeah, was just the whole yeah. watermelon. We'd sell nice it for markup. such a deal. Oh, it, was, <laughs> it was such a deal versus the grocery store. So people would, would, would they would great. go quickly, but uh, we'd great. make a nice little profit. And, uh, and so, yeah, that kind of showed me early on, you know, there's a, you know, that kind of helped me understand a little bit about business early on. Those sure. were maybe 12 or 13 years old when I was doing that. I love it. Was college an obvious choice for you or was it kind of because big bro went and you kind of followed in his footsteps? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, an obvious choice. Yeah. It was an expectation. Um, dad wanted it, to make yeah, sure. It was, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, it was something that I knew I was going to do early on was a goal of mine. Uh, my brother, you know, was the first one in our family to ever go. Um, and so, um, you know, and, and I was able to go, uh, a few years later and yeah, it was definitely an expectation and, uh, nice. something that I, you know, didn't, it didn't work out the way I thought in terms of what I, what I first went, what I first right. went for, but, uh, but it was a great experience and, and certainly helped me, you know, to have, uh, achieve this success I'm having in my career. How did you go about picking the college you went to? Yeah. So my first, um, thought was, uh, my first goal was to be a pilot. I thought I wanted to be a pilot. Yeah. So I, um, actually, uh, was in the civil air patrol also, uh, at that time. And I thought, you know, I, I started taking private pilot lessons, um, with the money I could, uh, you know, get, I found a great, a great teacher that was very, you know, reasonable to teach kids in the civil air patrol to fly. So I took about 10 hours or so. Nice. Um, and I applied to the air force Academy. Oh, gosh. And so, uh, my, that was my goal. It was pretty much the only school I wanted to go to. And, uh, you know, it's a very rigorous process to get into the air force Academy. It's a very prestigious process. Yeah. And so, um, is that Annapolis? No, that's Navy, right? Right. Uh, yeah. So it's air, air force Academy is in uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado Springs. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, long process to get through. Um, you have to get, you know, certain, obviously you have to get past the first stage, which is just your basic grades and sure. SAT. You have to pass a physical fitness exam, which I did. You have to pass, you have to get a congressional nomination, which is extremely wow. difficult. Only, I think each uh, uh, congressperson gets two nominations. So I got that, I had to go through an interview process, got a congressional nomination. And then the last stage before you get kind of this a screening, this kind of private screening is a medical test. So I was like, uh-huh. okay, you know, I'll do the medical test, whatever, big deal. So that's when I found out that my eyes were not 20, 20. I had oh, no idea. Yeah, yeah, my eyes were right. 20, 30. Right. Um, I didn't even pilot, know. That's a no yeah, go. That yeah. was it. I was out. Oh, I was man. done. Um, and so uh, that was in my junior year, the yeah. end of my junior year when I found Tough. that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was challenge. It was challenging. So kind of reassess what I wanted to do. Sure. Um, thought I would go into political science, uh, applied to, to different schools to get in there, end up going to Florida State because it's- You were it was, still living in Florida. Still time. in Florida, yeah, right? Yeah, so state yeah. capital, I thought, you know, I'd get uh, I'd get some chances to um, 
you know, work at internships at the state capitol right. or whatever. So that was kind of my thought and uh, end up changing my major after I took uh, several courses on foreign policy oh. and <laughs> didn't, didn't think that was something I really had in me. So I, um, I ended up changing communication and okay. um, got my bachelor's in communication at Florida State and then uh, stayed straight through and got my MBA. Yeah. So I uh, just wanted to, uh, when I graduated with my undergrad in 91, it was a bit of a recession, if you remember. And, oh, yeah. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Let me just stay through. I'm in. I'm in the mode of studying. I'm in the mode of of you know not having money. So I'll just stay through that one Good more year. You. Yeah. And um, I w they had a joint baccalaureate program where you could get your MBA in one year if oh, you were nice. uh, even as a non business undergrad if you you know kind of took accelerated classes over the summer and so right. forth. So right. I did that and uh, graduated '92 with my MBA and and then uh, you know that kind of started my career. Great. So, you know, you, you went straight through. What was that first job that you took outside of college? Yeah. So my first role uh, was, uh, at, was at PepsiCo, uh, oh, nice. which is, was recruited out of my MBA. So they yeah. came to the MBA, you know, students at the end of the semester. And, and I learned about this program where uh, PepsiCo at the time owned restaurants. They, right. you know, this was before Yum uh, was spun off. Yep. Yep. Uh, so they Taco had KFC, Bell, Taco Bell, yep, and Pizza right, Hut. Right, right. They, uh, they also owned, obviously, Pepsi and the bottling, and they owned Frito-Lay. So the, the pitch to me as, an, as a graduate you know, student, uh, MBA student, uh, was you get to this great PepsiCo management experience. You'll work a few years in the restaurant division, you'll mm. work a few years in the bottling division, you'll work a few years in the snacking division. And, oh, really? You know, they moved yeah. you all around the very Well, that was, that's that was, what they, that was the plan. That was the plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounded amazing, right? So yeah. I started off in the restaurant division and I never left. Um, yeah, we, nice. uh, I started off with a concept that they own called Hot Now, uh, mm. which is, which is, they no longer own Hot Now, but it's a double drive through hamburger chain, similar to Checkers or Rallies. Okay. And, um, and then I was there for a, uh, a little over a year. They moved me to Taco Bell, and then they spun off the restaurants. So okay. I uh, I stayed in the restaurants. It was in my blood. I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, I never expected that's what I would do coming out of my MBA. Um, I started off as in the entry-level operations positions. I was right. a grand opening manager for new stores, moved me around from city to city in the southeast to open new restaurants and then I was a general manager over over two different rest uh, over two different Taco Bells. Wow. Um, so I was in, you know, and, and really fell in love with it. It just sounds like you had some absolutely... early leadership responsibilities too. Tell us a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that was that. Yeah. that was really the first time I managed people was yeah. was I was a general manager. You're like early twenties, right? 22, yeah, early 2023. 20, yeah. I was awesome. running uh, two different Taco Bells in North Central Florida. Nice. Uh, one was an extremely high volume restaurant, one of their top volume restaurants in the in the nation. One was a lower volume restaurant. So I got a lot of experience with, you know, what it's like, and a general manager of a restaurant is is such a great job because you have you have multifaceted responsibilities. Right. Not only you're right. dealing with customers and customer service, you're dealing with maintenance issues and facilities issues and running hiring, a PL and all yeah. the people stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. training people, developing them. What it, it was super. a super rewarding uh, job, and and I, I fell in love with the industry from those roles. Um, now, as a CEO of a restaurant company, I reflect back on those. It really influences how I make decisions, how we develop materials, how we roll out new products is because yeah. I remember what it's like, you know, to be there. And, we want to talk uh, about Crystal in a minute, but yeah. I want to capture a little bit more from the early years. Tell, tell me about some of the early leadership lessons you had, particularly from maybe bosses, you know, of bosses good and bad from the mm -hmm. past, right? You know, sometimes yeah. some of the lessons from those bad bosses tend to be the things that stick with you most. Absolutely. And, and you don't yeah. have to mention any names, Paul. It's yeah, okay. I won't. <laughs> I have plenty to, uh, uh, both both examples on good yeah. and bad, but yeah. um, 
but yeah, I definitely agree with that. I, um, I had some amazing bosses that really helped me, uh, and taught me about making sure I'd spent time to develop my, myself and to, and to set goals and achieve them and develop mentors and, you know, just basically on how I showed up every day and how I presented myself to find my voice. So I had just tremendous people uh, that helped me along the way. Most most of that at Taco Bell early on. I was there for 10 years. And uh, so I had a, a great exposure too because because of the influence from PepsiCo, they really believed in moving people around and cross-training them. Right. So I ended up spending time in franchising, in HR, in um in marketing as well as operations. So I got a really great, great base, you know, base for my career. But uh, later in my career, I had, you know, some, some bosses that were not so great. <laughs> what were some of those lessons? Yeah. You? So, Tell us some you know, of the behaviors I, you I think the biggest thing I learned from those is people that um, don't really believe in building people up, people that don't believe mm. in, in building teams that are very controlling, yeah. that don't support. It's all about them. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, they don't yeah. support, you know, when there's a tough patch, they're, they're immediately throwing people under the bus and and looking to, you know, uh, blame and instead of you know learning from mistakes and and helping right. people grow. So I've had I had a couple bosses later in my career uh, that uh, I learned a lot from, probably more honestly than from the good bosses, yep. just in terms yep. of how I shape Absolutely. my decisions and how yeah. I want to lead. Yeah, sometimes those learnings can be quite traumatic, right? Yeah, <laughs> but they yep. do tend to stick with you over time, right? And you go, "I will never do that." Exactly. You catch yourself. Um, so the first time you started managing people, sounds like it was there. What, what were some of those lessons from that point in time? I imagine you probably had folks that were, you know, fifteen, sixteen year old part timers, but you probably had some folks that might have been older than you as well. Was that yeah, a bit of a challenge? I did. Yeah. I did, and uh, you know, just uh, setting expectations. Uh, making sure you know that people knew what the what the what the guidelines were for how you know how, how they were going to work there. There's always people that want to challenge you know the rules, and so right. you have to make sure you're setting expectations and and coaching people and, and giving them uh, kind of clear swim lanes to be successful. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of people that worked two jobs, so wow, you know, um, and so just kind of appreciating what they were going through and showing them respect and being flexible, you know, with our schedule so that they could meet their needs went a long way with people. Um, but yeah, I certainly made a lot of mistakes in those early years in terms of mostly by not being clear with people on my expectations, mm. you know, and I see something and let it slide because I yeah. maybe I didn't want to confront it or didn't want to deal with it. or And, and that just never is a good idea because it's right. just going to accelerate. So right. I learned a lot and I uh, had to learn some tough lessons um, there. And yeah, being clear about accountability. Yeah. Is really key, yeah. It? It's, it's, it's key. It's key for everybody. We've had a terrific career. We talked about Pepsi. I know you went on to Burger King and Sonic and Moe's and and most recently, I guess, at McAllister's before coming to Crystal. Um, and, you know, I want to talk about a little bit about Crystal before we jump into that. Tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of how your leadership styles evolved over time. You talked about one of those lessons, obviously, mm -hmm. with regards to being clear and holding folks accountable. What, what are some of the other things as you look back now in your career and say, mm -hmm. boy, I wish I, <laughs> my 25-year-old self, mm -hmm. you know, if he knew what I knew now, what would be some of those things? You know, a couple of things that I learned later in my career was the the value of of goal setting and developing, you know, a set of mentors and having relying on other people. I was very much focused early in my career of just doing everything myself right. and kind of, you know, figuring out how I could do it and not asking for help. And uh, so that's a huge lesson that um, influences me now. It was really accelerated, mm. accelerated my career in the last 10 or so years as I, I learned that skill. Um, and also is important to me as I talk to, you know, more junior people in my company today, um, on 
have, making sure that they know that and use that and develop right. that skill. So um, really the beauty of this industry is that there are, there's, there's a lot of people that want to help each other. There's a lot of mm. people that, you know, that are, are that, that can help. And so you just got to find that right, you know, linkage right. and, um, you know, and then, and then be clear with your goals and, and, and then kind of have that plan. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you can say, uh, again, looking back and, you know, how's you know, your leadership style evolved? I think another one is definitely communication. You no, know, it's funny mm. because it was my undergrad degree, yeah. but I don't necessarily <laughs> I was think say, I that was, was a great good degree it. to get yeah. in the business you're in, yeah. the thousands of people you. Yeah. It really for. turned out that way. I didn't, yeah. Yeah. didn't really know it then. Um, and even in the middle part of my career, I didn't value it as much as I, you know, need needed to and do today. It is such a critical part, especially mm -hmm. as a CEO of just bringing people along and constantly communicating and constantly making sure the vision that we're on and the mission that we're on, all of our values that we're continuing to remind people. Right. Um, we can be working hard and be having a lot of success, but if we're not communicating it, you know, there, if there's a void in communication, typically, unfortunately, it's filled mm. by negativity or filled yeah. by doubt or filled by assumptions that are wrong. So yeah. I spend a ton of my time communicating uh, to people mm. constantly, communicating, constantly sharing, constantly um, getting out. And, and one of my goals in the first year at Crystal was to to visit every restaurant and to visit every general manager. Again, yeah. as as a as a GM myself, former GM myself, I, I right. knew that was important. And so I got to maybe about 150 restaurants and it was closing in on a year. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get to everybody. So <laughs> um, we ended up doing a series of roadshows. We did six roadshows uh, in January and February of this year um, so that we could be all the GMs together in smaller nice. groups so that I could do just that, right? Just communicate the vision, yeah. communicate the brand purpose, all of their objectives for the year, what an amazing experience that was. So it's, it's a critical part of success for sure. Nice. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about Crystal. Now, um, I think I told you, you know, we not, not only have a national, we have got a global audience uh, on this podcast. In fact, last night uh, at 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. her time, I interviewed a CEO in Singapore oh, wow. who manages a business for Unilever called T2T. They're a, a tea retailer going great guns and expanding globally. And so uh, not, a folk, not a lot of folks know about Crystal. I know you're uh, regional, but expanding. Yep. So tell us a little bit about the company, kind of what the core you know, values are, the mission mm -hmm. uh, and the business and, and, you know, maybe a little perspective on the size of the, of the operation as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's an amazing company with a rich legacy and in, in, mm. in history. It was founded in 1932. So wow. it makes it, uh, it's Crystal's the second oldest QSR in the country, no kidding. Uh, wow. the oldest yeah. in the Southeast. And, um, but it's interesting, it's never really expanded outside the Southeast. Right, so we right. have 350 restaurants today, uh, mostly in, uh, we're in 11 states, 11 Southeast states, but uh, mostly in four states, uh, founded in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So Tennessee is a big okay. state for us. Yeah. Uh, Georgia is a big state. Florida and Alabama are core states, but we've got uh, surrounding states, um, 11 states in total. And corporate and franchise? Is it a corporate franchise, yeah. mostly yeah. corporate, uh, yeah. which is pretty yeah. unusual today. We have about 65% yeah. corporate stores. Wow. Um, we, uh, we're, we're a burger, you know, we, we sell mm -hmm. the, the crystal is a burger. It's a slider. It's a, uh, you know, a, a smaller burger, smaller burger. Yeah. it's, uh, makes up 70% of our sales outside of breakfast. Uh, but we have a great yeah. breakfast. We've got, uh, we've got chicken products, we've got hot dogs, fries, so forth. So at a great uh, menu that spans all day parts. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a company that was founded during the great depression. So there's a rich yeah, heritage and legacy there. I mean, there's yeah. amazing stories I could tell you about the founders and what this comes from, but it was really founded on 
some basic premises of of serving people uh, called the Crystal Creed, and it really mm. is, talks about you know giving people great prices. Obviously, that was super important sure. back in the Great Depression, yeah. right, right? right? Great food, but treating people with respect, and it's right. this 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 brand purpose of uplifting people is really what it's all about, and that's still a part of what, uh, our brand purpose today. We, our brand purpose is to uplift each other, so that's employees. That's customers. That's communities. That's you know, for general managers, it's, it's investing in themselves. So yeah. this, uh, it's a great uh, history and legacy that I have the privilege of of being a part of, and, and a responsibility to continue to grow. Now it sounds like it was started by some founders. Is it still family owned? Are you private equity? Back we're pri- we're private equity back kind now. Of- the founders um, had the brand from 1932 into the late 90s. Okay, it was sold to private equity. Uh, one time, and then the, the private equity firm Argon Capital, who owns us today, uh, bought us about seven years ago. Right, got it, got it. And you've been there how long? Just a year. Just a uh, year? It started last wow. April, so a year, yeah. a year and a month. And um, and this is your first CEO spot. I know you were president at uh, McAllister's, but that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah this so, is my first opportunity to be yeah, CEO. So it's fantastic. really a, a dream come true, a, a goal that I had set for myself when I was a general manager at Taco Bell. So it's really, uh, yeah. it's yeah. really been an amazing journey, and and. Uh, very, very privileged to have this chance. And about how many employees in total across the franchise? Well, and, we and have, uh, with with our, with so many company restaurants, we have quite a few. We have almost 7,000 employees. Wow, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. Well, a lot of them are going to hear this podcast, so they'll get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> that sounds great. Hey, out to you, all you Crystal employees. Well, let's talk a little bit about building a company culture, because wow, what a legacy. You're coming up on, mm-hmm. you know, 90 years, I guess. Yeah. Uh, going to be 100 soon. You know, you've got some responsibility there. You know, what are your thoughts on on building on and or creating a company culture at Crystal? Yeah, honestly, it's, you know, as a CEO, it's the number one priority for me. Um, there's all kinds of other things that are important, obviously growing the brand and 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 continuing to grow the number of stores and bring in franchisees, a lot of financial goals. But the, by and large, the biggest thing that I can do is is build a great culture here because yeah. I think that's the foundation. And, and as I was... In other roles leading up to this, that was the one thing that I uh, I wish I had could have a bigger impact mm. on. I tried to influence the culture to other jobs I was at, but now obviously there's no excuses. I you know right. I'm in charge, so that's right. So that's right. Um, you know we, I I focus daily on what are we doing for the culture? How are we mm. how are we getting it to the place where we want it to be? What are the issues and challenges? How can we remove roadblocks and obstacles to to get it where we want to be? And um, you know, one of the first things I walked into was a situation where we had had three years of negative sales. Oh, so boy. the culture here, although the foundation of it was tremendous because of the the history I told you about, right. um, you know, when momentum, when you start losing momentum and you start yeah. having, you know, losses and, and not having success, yeah, yeah, it's, it's hard. Right. It's hard right. on morale. It's hard on people. So wow. we had to get some early wins, which we did. In the first quarter of this year was our first positive comp period in um, in over three years. So yeah. yeah, so we got the business turned around. We still have a long way to go, but that was first and foremost, one of the main things is, right. is get, uh, get, uh, get the business turned around, get some, some early wins going, get people motivated, get people excited about being here. Uh, we had a lot of attrition at the, at the mm. store level and the RS and the restaurant support center level level. So we've, we've made it big improvements in retention, investing in people. We have Excellent. a few, you know, all kinds of great programs now we put into place, but my goal is for this company to be a place where people are super proud of working for, mm. where they see a career path for them to develop and achieve their goals. We just launched a new scholarship program last oh, year for people. Yeah, so yeah. just a lot a, a lot of my activity is focused on the culture and recognizing people, rewarding people and building a great place to work. 
What would you say is most unique or, or unusual about uh, Crystal's culture, Paul? You know, I think it is pretty unique to have um, such an amazing legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's funny, when I, when I was at uh, other brands, I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, we've been around for 40 years and we have this great, you know, history. And, and then I came here and I was like, wow, you know, 87 years. Yeah. Is, I mean, is it, and so uh, awesome. I think what is- A lot is, of responsibility. What, yeah, it really is. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and when I think about how much longer I plan on working, and what that could mean, you know, there's a chance that I could be here, you know, if I do my job right, uh, I could be here for the hundred year anniversary, yeah, right? right? So that is kind of an amazing thought um, that I could be with a brand that that is it's successful, yeah, yeah, and and is continuing to grow. Um, but you know, the 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 how these these two gentlemen founded this company during the Great Depression, I've really researched that a lot and really share that a lot with my general managers as I've done these roadshows. It's it's actually, we have a convention coming up in October and the, and the theme of our convention is uplift, mm. which is our, which is our brand purpose. And it is yeah. all about, you know, just kind of what we did. We had a mini version of this in the last three years, we were negative in sales. We were decreasing, we were closing stores and we had to, you know, get that turned around. And now we're on a, on a path to growth and a path to, to success right. and a path right. to continuing to, you know, grow people and, and let them grow their careers. So awesome. it's a, it's a, just it's a tremendous privilege. Well, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago when we planned the podcast and you talked about having, being blessed with a pretty um, stable executive suite, which is great. And, you know, probably more people being added due to growth than anything else. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest mm-hmm. in? You know, there's uh, obviously the basics that you're going to look at, you're going to see on a resume, right? You're going right. to see, you know, have they, do they have the skills? Uh, have they had experience in this, in this industry or in their field that, that you can count on? But for me, I I spent a lot of time talking about our company values, hmm. and I ask them how those resonate with them, right? So we'll go through our values. We have five core values of our brand. I'll read through those with people. I'll, I'll ask them for their thoughts on them, and I'll really get a sense if they align with those, you know, personally mm-hmm. uh, and professionally align. I'll ask mm-hmm. for examples of things that they've done to display those values, because as an executive, you know, we have to be the example uh, in right. living the values. We have to be aligned in how we're going to overcome obstacles, what our right. style is going to be when we do face trouble. Um, if I only have, you know, uh, a limited amount of time with somebody, that's typically my question or two with them is tell me about how you deal with a difficult people. Yeah. Tell me about an experience you had with dealing with with a difficult person, because you know, that is so much about how um, you know they will respond. Because we have what do you look for? What do you look for in an answer to that kind of? Question? Yeah, I, I look for people that will will reflect on things that they could have done better mm. themselves, right? right so how right. that maybe they are a part of the problem, and how they have grown, and how they what they've learned about themselves. Uh, I look for people that aren't afraid to give clear direction and uh, hold people accountable. So, you know, those are the things I, I look for. Um, but I always want to make sure people are treating each other with respect yeah. because it's really that when that is missing, then everything kind of falls apart from there. And then you have a host of other issues. But I also ask people about setbacks that they've had in their mm. career, you know, what they learned from the setback, why, yeah. why it happened and what they did differently again to see if they have a level of uh, uh, of being able to reflect on things that they could have done better and humility yeah and humility right. yeah absolutely yeah. i mean that's yeah. huge i i just work better with those types of people nice. uh, i those uh, people that aren't that way 
can certainly be successful and they are successful, but it's right. just not someone that I enjoy working with or I want part of my team or my organization. Yeah, cool. And, uh, you know, how do you decide when it's time to micromanage someone, you know, or perhaps stay out of the sandbox? Yeah, it's really, you know, situational. It's, right. it's It depends on, you know, the, the level of uh, how critical the problem is or the issue. Sure. And if I feel like the person has, you know, the skills needed um, or if they don't have the, you know, the 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 correct attitude at that point. So I'll dig in. That's a that's a great thing of of kind of working my way up from the bottom right. and working across so many different disciplines. I'm not afraid to jump into anything. I've got experience in pretty much every part of this business now. So I can add value and I can dig into the details when I need to. But I really like to uh, just help my people be successful by making sure they have the resources they need, making sure I understand where their gaps are you know, asking questions about maybe where they need help, but I, I'll try that approach first. But certainly, you know, we, we've been in a little bit of a turnaround, you know, situation the yeah, last year. So I've had to yeah. dig in, I've had to dig into media plans. I've had to dig into creative. Right. I've had to dig into sleeves, labor so. scheduling. Yeah. Right. You know, we've, we've been in, we've been in full turnaround mode. So, uh, but I have a, an amazing executive team, very experienced, very uh, tenured. And, um, you know, the first thing I did with them when I got here was, we didn't work on the strategic plan right away. We didn't mm. work on, you know, making sure I, I got trained in restaurants and everything, which I did eventually. But the first thing we did is we sat down and we developed our guiding principles, how we wanted to work nice. together as an, executive, as an executive team. We called it our designed alliance. Yeah. And we have these principles. Uh, we're, and we, uh, we hold each other accountable to them. We recognize Good. each other when we, when we uphold them. And uh, we have a very clear way of working together and expectations of each other. Well, Paul, you've been very generous with your time, but we uh, always kind of end with one question that uh, is helpful to the middle market audience. A lot of the folks will be listening to this or, you know, maybe you 10, 15 years ago, right? Folks right. that are kind of looking for career tips to, you know, get ahead or maybe make it to the corner office of their own. You know, what what would that advice be in terms of someone that maybe has their sights set on leading an organization or a department and, you know, really uh, wants to uh, be able to succeed? But what, what yeah. would you tell them to do over the next 10 or 15 years on their road to the corner office? Absolutely. I think there's, you know, several things um, I mentioned earlier, finding a mentor, finding someone you really trust that isn't in your day-to-day -day life. So, you know, they have a much more objective view of what you're going through, someone that you can connect with that's that's really looking to help you, that you can talk to from time to time and give you mm. some advice and give you some thoughts and some some uh, thought starters. Right. Um, you know, being very clear with what your goals are and mm. being clear, not, not only about like, okay, I want to be, I want to get better in this discipline. So I'm going to read this book or go to this, you know, conference or take this webinar, but what, who are the people that can help you? What are the relationships you can invest in to achieve those goals? That's something right. I think a lot of people miss and building relationships is such a critical part of your, of your more executive level position. So you, right. you, you have to invest in those relationships and find those people. And the other thing I would say is, when you see change coming, when you see change within an organization or change happening in the industry, run towards it. Don't mm. be afraid of it because the people yeah. that are successful are the people that see change as an opportunity, an opportunity to take more responsibility, an opportunity to grow and to learn. The faster you can embrace change, the faster you can uh, overcome it, the more that other executives within your organization are going to see that in you. They're going to give you more responsibility. They're going to re reward you for it. And yeah. that's, and that's been a big part of, of my last several years of success has been being quick to acknowledge change and just, and just uh, not getting worried about it or, 
are bummed out that, you know, life's going to change and things are going to be different, but actually being excited by it because I, I can maximize it. You know, that reminds me of the story of the, uh, of the buffalo. I don't know if you've heard this before, but, you know, most livestock run away from a storm, but buffalo run toward it because they know they're going to get to the other side quicker. Yeah, smart. Did not, right? did not know that, but yeah, yeah. makes sense. Well, that certainly supports your hypothesis. Well, Paul, thank you so much. CEO of Crystal, we appreciate you sharing your journey into the corner office. Thank you, Brant. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brandt, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.go4roy.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. 